Welcome to episode 7 of the ISO podcast. I'm your host Chuck Duru and on this episode I'm joined by Newcastle Eagles point guard and two-time BBL MVP Ramon Fletcher. On today's episode we discuss the BBL trophy and the preparation for the final amid the controversy surrounding the coronavirus, player rivalries within the BBL and being compared with Justin Robinson on social media, his college career and how it prepared him for turning pro, playing for the Eagles and his personal and collective successes in his time at Newcastle, giving young players the opportunity to play in the BBL and much, much more. Um, It was great to get Fletch on the podcast. You know, he's been one of the best players in the BBL year on year since he's arrived, Um, you know, winning a quadruple in his first season and then going on to win, you know, the MVP the year after and the year after that. Um, So, yeah, it was great to have him on. Um, He's had a great story, you know, coming from Missouri in... uh, in America, you know, we discussed a bit of Ozark. <laughs> Don't worry, no spoilers. Um, but yeah, hope you guys enjoy it. As always, don't forget to like, subscribe. Um, thank you again for all the continued support, and I hope everybody enjoys this episode. Fletch, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Just you know, back in the states. With this pandemic stuff going on, only thing to do is work out. So yeah, it's over with, and go from there. You know. Yeah, you've been able to get into gym, uh, like to play ball and stuff. Or, well, I haven't really played basketball since the um, since the last game. Kind yeah, of was, you know, it was overwhelming in a way. So I just been working on my body, just doing track work, turf field agility, long distance runs, just trying to get because I'm getting old, you know. Yeah, <laughs> old, those things that you eat start to stick a little bit more. So I'm focusing this summer is more focused on my body because. Basketball is like riding a bike, you know, because the last thing you lose is shooting. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm always about to play basketball, so the biggest thing is my body right now. So, yeah, that's all I've really been doing, lifting as well, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. I totally agree on that, man. Like, I'm, I'm 26, but, like, I'm starting to feel like, you know, when I eat something, it's, I can feel it now. I can feel it in my gut. So I'm trying to like yeah. you know do the do the long distance running as well and stuff Mine's like that. More, I feel it in my legs. My legs feel super heavy. So if I eat a lot of sugar, it just sits on my legs. So when I get up and try to move, yeah. it's like I weigh 300 pounds. <laughs> so I try to cut out sugar. It's hard though because yeah. everything pretty much has sugar because it gives you a little taste. But yeah, I'm doing a little bit better better with it. But I think it's mostly the sugary drinks that. That gets me. That's hard to lay off, you know. Like the lemonade and stuff like that. I don't drink soda, so yeah, like the fruity drinks and stuff like that's the hardest thing to get away from. Candy, so I'm not a big candy person anyway. So yeah, yeah. No, the drinks are yeah. dangerous, man. I think in the lockdown dangerous. as well, it's make it made it worse. Yeah, is the one, man. Yeah. No, I. Do you know what? I I love I'm a big Lucas A guy as well, man. I usually buy like a twelve crate and keep a twelve crate in my car and yeah, I'm a bit of a Lucas A junkie. Like the fizzy or the, uh, the non-fizzy one? Um, I like the non-fizzy one better. I like the fizzy one, but I like the non-fizzy one better. Um, yeah, I like the non-fizzy one. It's yeah, more sport. It's more sport. Mm. Can't get away. I can call it sports. So I can get away with drinking it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Thanks for coming on today. Um. Thanks for having me. So let's start. Uh, let's start on the. You know, you said you last played basketball the last game of the season, uh, which was the yeah. BBL trophy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, an incredible game. You know, a lot of controversy around. You know, whether the game should be played or not. Yeah. Um, but I can't lie, man. I was on my Twitter saying, you know, I hope it goes ahead. Very selfishly, I admit, but I was happy that you know the BBL took the, you know, controversial decision to to play the game. But yeah, let's let's talk about that. Um, good game for yourself. Um, you know, twenty nine points led all scorers. Um, what was the mood like then going into the game? To be to be real, because we've been in, I've been in finals before, mm. but the preparation, the build up, the game, the day of the game was a little different because you knew it was the end. You knew it was over. So mm-hmm. a lot, it was a lot of mixed emotions. You try to get out of all right. Are people you say? Because we got to stay in hotels the night before and you don't know who's been in the hotel before, you know, playing in our minds. And, but, like, we don't know who was on the coach before we got on the coach. Mm. We don't know who was in the hotel before we got, you know, got to the hotel. So, like, 
all those things were kind of distracting our mind from 100% preparation for the final. Yeah. You know, no matter who we were playing, Solon is a tough team. I'm sure you know. You played against them. Yeah, yeah. A tough team. Oh, I know, man. <laughs> you know? And yeah. Not for one second did we think, oh, we go, you know, we go roll over them. Mm. You know, like, or it's going to be a blowout or anything like that under the circumstances because we lost three starters as well. Yeah. So that was another, well, two starters and Nick also, you know, he plays as well. But those are three big time imports on our team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that messes up our game plan. Game plan. And CJ, that was his first game back in a long time. He's mm. was, and he was injured. That was Drew's first game back. He's been injured as well. So, and then Will had to start. Like, Will is super good, super skilled, but he was still trying to get used to our team as well. So, mm. there was a lot of things that were that was against us, you know? Yeah. But I think that experience kind of – because we were in battles the entire entire season, you know? I mean, you, you know how the BBL is, and Solon was the high rollers, you know? They didn't lose a game, so they had the confidence, but we, we were battle-tested, you know? Yeah. So, but I think once the game started, all that stuff kind of went out the window, the, you know, the corona and stuff like that. But the buildup was different. Yeah. yeah. For sure, man. It's tough. Yeah. No, I can't lie, you know. I thought going into the game, I, I actually thought, you know, I thought you would win. And then when I saw the news about your three inputs that weren't playing, you know, I knew, I'd heard that Drew had been injured. Um, I thought Solent would have win, would win, and I thought they'd win. Really? Yeah, yeah, I can't lie, man. Child, I thought, come on. I know, man. But listen, my mind changed after the first five minutes of the game, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can't lie, man. Let me be honest, man. I forgot who you were, man. I forgot who you were, bro. I was reminded of within five minutes. With us, I know, crazy. I know, I know. I'm bad, man. But now, nah, do you know what it is with with Solent? And obviously, you know, I've played against them twice this year. Um. I think with Solent, they're very, very well. One, they're very well coached. Um, oh, for sure. They're very well drilled. You know, everybody's sort of always in, in like cohesion. Like they don't really make too many mistakes. But right. I think I've always said I think if they were to have a weakness, I would say it's you know on the on the boards. You know, they're not the mm-hmm. biggest team. You know, they're they start their biggest player who starts is what six six. Do you know what I mean? Who's and I'll be probably one of the best players in our league in Division One, but you know they right. that's where they're weak. And you know when you guys started, you know with Darius, um, CJ, you know you could see the the height difference. And I think yeah. when I saw when I saw the, f- the the two fives go out, I suppose I wasn't as confident in my Solent pick. And then within five minutes, I kind of thought, you know what, like. Because I've obviously people have been talking about you know Darius is you know he's getting on a bit you know his 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 best years are, some say behind him but my God did he look you know he looked amazing like he looked like he he lost a few years you know what I mean he looked like the old Darius he's that been there. He's yeah been there before and, mm-hmm. and we see the stuff yeah know, like I mean you're a ball player you know like as much as we don't talk about it or express ourselves on social media or anything like that we see that stuff we yeah. See what people say mm. you know we know everybody thought it was going to be a good game and they might edge it or anything like that but they forget we have three players that got like six seven trophies yeah the bbl battle tested so it's like that's three against what maybe six or seven players that haven't played that level yet yes they beat london yes they beat you know bristol and stuff like that but yeah to be honest we're totally different animal in a way yeah you know what I mean yeah no 100% no or anything like that but this is ball player talking to ball player you know how and the ish guy the smith guy the point guard he's really really good yeah and you know you know me you know my my mentality is like all right well let's see I want to see because <laughs> that's what because that, that's the same thing he's going to say yeah like I want to see what this guy's about and that was me as well it wasn't like oh you know he plays division one or anything there's no way he's on this level mm. like, I, want, I just want to see you yeah know, that that that's where my motivation was and the same thing with d and cj because charles is good yeah you know and they wanted to see too so like those were like the two biggest matchups to be honest yeah so no i agree teams were ready mentally we were, we were locked in we saw all that yeah it's all that yeah yeah, no, it was it was a good game, man. It was a it was a good game. I mean, what a way yeah, to fun. sort of you know conclude yep. the short season, um, obviously for the BBL and for for British basketball period. Um, 
I think, um, like like you said, I think a lot of the Solent guys, I think they were going into that game, you know, with, I think, probably more to prove in the sense that, you know, they're the, the underdogs. And I think, you know, guys right. like Ian Smith, Travis, uh, Elliot, even some of the British guys who, you know, ha- might have aspirations to play in the BBL, might think they are good enough to play in the BBL. You know, it was, right. for them, it was that. And then... We like, were the same way. Yeah. We had the same mentality because, in a way, we were the underdogs as well. Six players, two coming back from injury, one yeah. didn't play a lot. You know, did you did you feel like the underdogs going in, or did you feel like no. it was? <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't feel like we were like you know ways above them. Yep. You know, because you can't think that. That's when you get stumped off. Mm. You know, but I did feel I was confident that it would be we edge it or. You know, win, but I think if we had our whole team, it would have been a different outcome. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I actually, I I pipped, I looked at the bracket and I actually thought, well, to be fair, I didn't think they'd beat London, but when they beat London, I thought they'd beat Bristol. I, I actually said to my friends, I think they'll beat Bristol comfortably, and they ended up, you know, smacking them at home and, you know, losing the that second leg. Yeah. Jeez. The, the, them boys don't lose at home, man. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, so, yeah, I want to touch on uh, something else as well. Um, so, me and, obviously, I had Kofi Josephs in episode one, and uh, we spoke a bit about, you know, BBL rivalries, um, mm-hmm. more so from a team standpoint. And, you know, he was talking about, you know, Worcester and Bristol having this rivalry. And, you know, we discussed a bit, you know, the Newcastle and Leicester traditional rivalry and whatnot. You know, I've I've lived having lived in Newcastle. I've seen some of the you know. the wild games, man. I've seen I've seen yeah. some of those games, man. Um, but you know, you were recently involved in a little. I won't say it was a I won't say it was a spat, but you know, there were some comparisons between you know you and Justin. Um, shout out to my boy Mo, man, the Hooper's voice. Quick plug yeah. and that. But um, but yeah, just just to talk on that. Um. Firstly, what was your what was your reaction when you saw like what's I say some of your um, fellow BBL players, you know, chiming in and whatnot? It was kind of like what you said, you know, at the the beginning of a soul in in our game, you were like, I forgot who you were, and that's kind of what how I felt. Like, did you you for, kind of forgot? Like I I done I've done a lot. Yeah. You know I've I've did this I've done that, and I'm not the type. You know me, I'm not the type that boast and brag and do all this thing, but it. It didn't feel disrespectful because who it was. Yeah. Like, Justin is, don't get it twisted, Justin is a straight baller. Yeah. You know? But, like, it was kind of, I'm a competitor. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm a competitor. I don't want to, everybody wants to be the best in whatever they do. Yeah. I don't need that for, to be solidified in a way. But yeah. It was, I felt as if people just didn't respect me mm. or things that I've done just became a, expectation and not for what it was and that was my thing yeah that's all it was it wasn't no disrespect to justin or anything like that because i respect everything that he's done he's went to europe he's came back home which is a huge sacrifice for him yep you know and he's a two-time mvp like that's unreal that's hard yeah at a point guard position that's tough you know mm. so it wasn't it wasn't nothing towards justin it was just the the overall Outside, you know? Yeah, I think to be fair, I feel like you know, reading the comments, there was a lot of you know, a bit of British bias. You know, obviously, yeah. a lot of us who've gr- it, yeah, is, you know? exactly. You know, a lot of us who've like myself, who've grown up, you know, watching Justin or playing against Justin. You know, we there's that. I guess there's that bias, but of course, which like, I don't blame. I don't yeah, blame at all. You know, I don't. I don't feel any type of way towards it at all. Yeah, because the person that I looked up back home, you know, back in the states, like I'd be the same way, you know. Yeah, I I, I think. Like, hey, I'm over here. You know? Yeah, no, no, it's fair enough, yeah. man. And I and I think I've always said this, man. Like, there's probably an ongoing theme in all my podcast episodes. Like, I always say, like, British basketball lacks, you know, personality, and I like the fact that you know you and Justin, there's that sort of barbershop talk about you know who's the yeah. best point guard in the league. I think it's good, you know. Yeah. This yeah. is how, like, all these, you know, if you get your first takes, you're undisputed. These barbershop conversations, that's how they they keep their relevance, you know, and that's how they make yeah. their money. And yeah. I think for the league, it's, it's, it's healthy to have that rivalry between you and Justin, you know? Because it's just basketball. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. I don't hate 
I don't hate people that took his, you know, that thinks he is. Yeah. I don't hate people that, I don't hate him at all. Like, yeah, yeah. And I think that's where it has, just because we're compared doesn't mean we don't like each other. Yeah. Respect no matter what. Yeah, and, and I don't think anybody who saw that, you know, got that from there. I, I can't lie, I was a bit, my eyebrows were a bit raised when I saw um, Joey Ikewim's first comment. <laughs> Um, I, you know, to which you responded, you know, I think, you, you know, you kept it classy. And, and, and I can, you can blame it on the corona too, because I got time now. <laughs> you, <laughs> I got time, yo, I got time for it now. You have you know? time, yeah, man. I have time. Yeah. It wasn't, I was, and I kind of like, you know, I filtered it too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and yeah. And Darius texted me and said, what is going on? Like, it's not like me. It's not like me, but I have time. Yeah. No, well, that's his boy though. That's his teammate. Yeah, I expected. Yeah, no, you're supposed to. You're supposed to ride for your man's. You know. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Regardless. So, but I'm not saying I'm better than him. I'm not saying he's better than me. It's just, you know, it's just more shop talk. Yeah. I like that. So yeah, let's um let's go to the beginning. So you're originally from Kansas City, Missouri. Missouri, yes, sir. Do you watch uh, Ozark by any chance? I do. Ah, uh, what's that? What's That's the name of that? City is. Yeah, yeah. Um, is how the Ozarks are. <laughs> oh, it's actually the real place. Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't even know. You know, I know, I know. Um, because you know, there's the what's it called? The the Kansas City mob. Who? What's it called? Yeah. Um, Marty works with and whatnot. Do you yeah. know? Do you know? It's so funny. It's a place. It's Ozark, Missouri, right? Yep. It's it's a vacation place that a lot of you know a lot of people in that in Missouri and stuff. Like go down for the Fourth of July, which right. you, I'm pretty sure you're kind of familiar with the Fourth of July. Yeah, yeah. And it's the Lake of the Ozarks. It's a lot of lake houses. And mm. It's like it's nice, you know. But yeah. Is that part where it's Marty? <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> like that, you know. Yeah, and yeah. And like all that, it's, it that does exist, right? You know, so it's a real place. That's interesting, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's dark. It, it was dark, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how this last season ended, though. Yeah, I was. Do you know? I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's listening that hasn't yeah, watched yeah, it. But yeah, I that I had me mind blown. It. Yeah, man, I, I did not expect it. it. Um, but I liked it. So yeah, so grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. Um, you ended up going to college at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. Um, yes, sir. So how did you end up going there, and uh, what was the recruitment process like for you? So, coming out of high school, first of all, I went to a performing arts high school, which is, you know, where they're focused on choir and music and creative writing and dance and art and stuff like that. So, I went to performing arts school from kindergarten all the way through high school. So, my I played in the orchestra. I played in the orchestra and a jazz band, and I played in there for seven years. So, that's my hidden talent or whatever, but that's right. what I had to do to audition. So, sports really really wasn't a huge thing even though we had a lot of good players that came through there and we wanted to turn into a prep you know a prep school like a mount zion or oak hill or montrose or something like that yeah but the people that ran the school just wanted it to be strictly arts you know which is now they took away the sports the year after i left because my junior year going to my senior year they were going to take it and I was going to transfer. I was just going to go to a rival school just to, you know, just to kind of stick it back to them in a way. Mm. And they were like, oh, we just we just bring it back for one more year. But when you're gone, it's over with, right? So education was important. And inner, the inner, inner city school district is tough. I mean, I'm pretty sure you kind of know that it's not, you know, it's not the easiest thing to get your education. They don't take it really serious. The teachers are kind of in there for, it's a couple of teachers that care. But it's also a lot of teachers that just, you know, I just want this check <laughs> in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so with that being said, like, a lot of things weren't, it wasn't, I didn't provide for me as far as, you know, taking the right classes to get in the clearinghouse, you know, ACT preparation, because you need that to, you got to take the right classes to clear to go to NCAA, and you got to get a certain score on your ACT as well. So I wasn't taking the right classes to get there and the ACT was fine like I was okay with the ACT but none of the classes that I took in high school kind of prepared me for college you know yeah so I had interest from different schools so 
Southern Illinois, I had an offer my sophomore year from there. I got recruited by Tennessee, by Illinois, Georgetown, stuff like that. But once they see, seen that I wasn't eligible to go through the clearinghouse, it was like, we got a million people, really, you know, students that we can just take. You know, we're not going to wait on him. But I really wanted to go to Missouri. You know, I really wanted to go to Missouri. That was my school that because it was home. But they wanted me to walk on because they lost a, um, their scholars, a couple of their scholarships because of, a, you know, a illegal thing that was going on there. So they wanted me to walk on my first year, you know, and then they gave me a scholarship the next year. But didn't want to do that. So I went to a camp, ABCD camp in the summer, and then I got interest from Wisconsin Green Bay. So here I'm thinking, like, you know, all these schools backed off. They're, it's only a matter of time before they do, and I'm going to have to go through the junior college route. But the head coach and the assistant that recruited me came down to my school, went to my counselor's office, and rearranged my entire schedule. Right. My, my entire schedule to the point where every class that I was taking, I would be qualified for this for school. So once they did that, that shows that they really wanted me. So I, you know, I committed and then ended up being the best decision, I think, personally. Yeah. So, so long story short, that's why I picked them. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. So what? So what was your what was your experience like uh, at uh, Wisconsin Green Bay? Um, cold, very, <laughs> very cold and snowy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, it was it was good. It was good. Um, we played in the Horizon League, which was Butler, Cleveland State, uh, Detroit, Milwaukee. Butler with Brad Stevens, Gordon Hayward, Shelvin Mack. They were all in our conference for two. My conference for two years. So yep. They were huge. They're big time, you know. So the Norris Cole, he played with the uh, Miami Heat. It's still a good friend to this day. Mm. And it was a solid, it was a real solid conference, and we did well. You know, we did well. And then my junior year, my coach ended up getting a better job at Toledo, so he left going into my senior year. So that was a huge, you know, a huge transition. But my assistant that I dealt with all four years ended up getting a head coaching job. So. It's an easier transition, right? But it still was different, so it was good. I think college was fun. College was a good experience. Yeah, and I, you know, I tell, I tell, you know, kids that all the time that as far as a maturing and mental discipline, like if you need that, college is the route. But if you don't need to go, you don't need to go. I'm not against it. Yeah. But if you feel you need to grow more as far as a gaming and mentality, college is, you know, college is where it's at. Because you know, you're by yourself, you're on your own, basically. You don't have a lot. Your mom's not there to wake you up every day. Mm-hmm. You're expected to get there, you know. So, I really like college. I really like college. Yeah, miss it. I don't miss it. But I really liked it. So, how do you feel um, your game developed then? From I guess from when you went in as a freshman to you know when you turned pro, like how do you feel like? I think the biggest thing from in college, everything is fast paced. Yep. Everything is fast paced. Everything is. And that was when I came to Newcastle, you know, we used to practice against you guys. Yeah. And you guys went hard. (laughs) You know, defensively, awesome, offensively. Y'all had a guy. What was his name? What was his The guy with the hair, with the, um, was it Garrett? Garrett, maybe? Garnett. Garnett. Yeah, yeah. And he was just everywhere. Yeah. And that's how college was. Right. And because if you're not going hard or you're not diving on the floor, if you're not doing this, that means you're not playing hard. That was the that's kind of the mentality, you know? Yep. So that's that's one thing that I had to adjust from high school when it's like, All right, Ramon, here's the ball. Go score for us, please. <laughs> Versus in college, everybody was that guy in high school. You know, so what's gonna separate you? But I think my biggest thing was the game kind of slowed down for me. Right. Mentally it slowed down. So like Everybody was moving at the same pace, but I felt everybody was kind of walking. So I can see different things, like different plays that develop a lot, you know, a lot faster than, you know, than they were kind of going, you know. So things were kind of slow for me. And that was the biggest thing from college to pro that I noticed as far as like the pace of the game. When I realized that, okay, I am a professional now, is my first year at Newcastle. Right. That was my first year, and that was probably, what, 2014, so I was three years, three, four years removed from college, Yep. and I played before, you know, I played in different countries, but for some reason, when I got to Newcastle, that's when I felt like me, like, this is the 
basketball version of me. This is, you know, this is me. You know, because being around Chuck, being around Fab, been around Scott, been around Drew, been around D and Tomo, like they were already there. Yep. Like I was the new person. They they were already been established. They already played. They've been through the league. They already won. And it's like, well, we need a point guard. Well, we can try him. And that's how I felt for like three months. It's just a trial period. Because you hear these stories about Fab. Yeah. <laughs> he stays on the point guards. Like, yeah. you know, like we had meeting 30 minute, 30 minute meetings after every single practice for three or four months. Yeah. You know, like, and you know, we already practiced eight to 10. So I'm not leaving Sports Central till about 11. Mm. So I'm having meetings about, well, this is how you need to run team. This is how this person's temperament is. This is what you can say to this guy. This is, and this is constant, constant, constant to the point where it just came, you know, like clockwork. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, I didn't feel like I belong. Nobody, I've never told anybody this, but I never felt like I belong in that, that circle or that group until the cup final, to that first cup final. That's in your first season at Newcastle. That was my first season in Newcastle. Yes. Okay, we'll touch on that in a minute. Um, I just want to touch yeah. on you know after you, you know you graduate from college and you ended up mm-hmm. um, signing a signing in Holland. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Um, so how did that move come about? Um, firstly, so my agent had he's from the Netherlands. He's from Holland. So of course he wants to, he wanted to get place me there because he knew people. He knew the organization. He knew you know, the league in a whole. So he felt like that would be the best fit mm. for me. But unfortunately, the club that I went to, they kind of, you know, spent more money than they really had. So after a month and some change, our whole team folded. We went bankrupt. Damn. So I probably got, for like a month and a half, month or so, they were like, we pay you something. So I got 400 euros and I had to go back home. From September to December, I was just home, just waiting, waiting, waiting. And then I ended up going to another team there and did a year and a half, two years there. So what was it like in terms of, you know, living in in Holland and your experiences, you know, like culturally and whatnot, and like adapting to, I guess? It was different because that was my first time going overseas. Mm. And then, this was 2011, it wasn't FaceTime. We didn't have FaceTime audio. We didn't have anything like that. I didn't even have a computer. Yeah. You know, I had an iPhone, but it had Skype on it. I know you, you remember Skype. And Skype yeah, yeah, I still use really it now. Inconsist- yeah. I'm yeah. sure it's probably a lot better than it was then, but it was, you know, it was, it was tough. It was tough. And that was yeah. my first time overseas. I didn't know the language. I didn't know how to shop in the grocery stores and stuff like that. So for like two weeks, I ate M&M's and Twix. <laughs> two weeks athlete's diet (laughs) the professional athlete's diet that's what I did until you know the trainer guy I was always tired because I didn't go to sleep until two or three in the morning because adjusting to the time difference so the trainer you know we asked what it was on because I was low energy didn't talk like at all every drill I sat in the back because I didn't know anything I was just like nervous in a way because I didn't want to mess up it was new. Everybody else, you know, kind of been there before. It's kind of the same situation as um, Newcastle. They, they brought the entire team back besides that position. So yeah. It was tough. Mentally, it was tough. That's why it was, it was a lot easier for me to adjust to, you know, going over to England. But once I got adapted, it was too late and we went bankrupt, you know. But my uh, second stand, I was better. I got, you know, used to it. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I know we've touched on you know your first season at Newcastle. So right. let's go back to that. How did the move to the Eagles come about? So I that agent that I was talking about that placement, I end up you know terminating our contract because after my two years in the Netherlands with the second club, I had to sit out an entire year because he was chasing money. He was chasing money, not the right situation. So, right. In October, November, I ended up sending him a termination letter, but he wouldn't let me go. He wouldn't, you know, sign it to the point where I can sign with another agent, another team, because I had a few offers already, the teams that wanted me to come, but he wouldn't release me. So I didn't get released from him until February. And by then, no team is going to pick up somebody that's been out almost the entire season. Mm. So he released me then. I signed with my new agent, which I, I'm still with to this day. 
And then he had me Newcastle by June, July. At first, uh, Fab called me. I talked to him for two hours that I was just confused because, you know, you don't talk for a coach for two hours. Yeah. And just and then the whole player coach thing was like, all right, well, but I'm just happy to have any interest from any team. Yeah. You know? And I know that, you know, now looking back at it now, what he was saying as far as like this is what the club needed as far as to move forward and all this stuff. By then I was just happy, like, whatever you tell me to do, I'm doing. I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. And that's kinda like what played a part of me because I still have that feeling towards him. That's why I constantly go back, go back, go back. Because when I was down, they kind of gave me that, you know, that life, that lifeline, that lifesaver. So yeah, you mentioned, um, you know, the player coach situation. For me personally, like I've always, <laughs> I've never really been a fan of player coaches. Like I, I don't think the BBL should allow them. I've always said that for some reason, for so somehow Fab made it work at Newcastle, and like you know, I commend him for that um, during his time there. But I'm always interested, you know, to. I guess get a perspective of you know players who come into the country and you know end up playing with a player coach or and obviously you haven't been at Newcastle for how many for X amount of years what was it like you know playing under a player coach and you know how did you feel about it going into the Newcastle situation see my situation was different I really didn't have any ill feelings towards it yeah because you want a coach that is a player's coach you know where he understands, you know, your day-to-day life. He understands how it feels to play 30, 40 minutes. Like, you want that type of... Somebody that played the game before. Yeah, definitely. You know? So, like, in a in a sense, you were getting that, but you also were getting a player that was going to play hard in every possession. And that's two things that you want. You want that from a player, like one of your teammates, and you want that from a coach. So, I didn't see it as, like... Oh, he's he's trying to take all the shots. He's trying to do everything. He's trying to run everything. Yeah, like, yeah. I didn't see it as that with Fab. Like I had to, com- you know, I told you I had the conversations with him every single practice for hours. So I kind of understood him a lot more than people outside looking in. Oh, right. So it never bothered me. that the player coach never bothered me. Yeah. And he wasn't at my position either. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was like okay, he's not he's not trying to take my spot. So yeah, yeah. I understand. Yeah, so. But if he trusts you and he respects you, you'll get on right with him. Right. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I think, one session when I was at Northumbria, you know, he, I think he took, like, begin half of the session and he said to us, he was like, I'm a coach who I'll make you the best player you could be Mm -hmm. or I'll break you and make you never want to play basketball or something like that. And I think, you know, from watching him, coach you guys you know I could definitely I could definitely see that you know I think you know that first your first season I think you got part of the reason why I think why you lot were so good was that you know there was just that you know there was that synchronization I think between you know coach coach players you know everybody seemed to like have their role you know and I think the biggest thing with him you gotta it's not necessarily what he says it's how he says it yeah isn't the greatest yeah yeah it's not the greatest but if you take the emotion of how he's saying something or anything like that, it yeah. actually makes sense. Yeah, it actually yeah. makes sense. And that's what people, you know, he yells and he's real animated because he cares. He's real passionate about it. But yeah. if you take that emotion, that passion away from what he's saying, it's, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I have a lot of respect for him. You know, I think, like I said, like I've never, never been a fan of player coaches, you know, but yeah. he's made it work, you know, for, damn near 15 years you know and and Newcastle was successful yeah Yeah. you know so it can't have been easy it's just like you know I think as a player you think like well if the player coach you know turns it over three times who subs him up (laughs) (laughs) he he had his time because it's like all right well I turn it over three times but the person that's going to replace me what is he actually doing yeah yeah and that was kind of his answer to things you know and if he if he felt like he it was games where he didn't play yeah like, like four or five minutes and yeah, those yeah. Were the games where he realized I just don't have it or I can't go against these people which wasn't a lot but mm. he still recognized it in a way yeah and that's where I got the respect for him for that because it wasn't like all right I, I can do whatever I want so I'm gonna play yeah no that's fair it, people might have thought that but it wasn't it wasn't like that 
so yeah, your first season, um, you guys end up doing, you know, a clean sweep. Um, yeah. I think that was the year Charles Smith was MVP off the bench. Mm-hmm. If I had to describe that team in one word, you know, it would probably be firepower. You know, you had yourself, <laughs> you had Andre, um, you had Scott, Andy. Andre is underrated. He doesn't get talked about a lot. Nah, it was kind of unfortunate that, you know, his, I guess his talent was kind of suppressed in that team because one I think you know he came late um, yep. and obviously you know you had Scott you had Charles you had all these guys who were like bona fide mm-hmm. scorers and then you had another scorer so it's like I guess maybe it looked at times that he was maybe a bit frustrated um, yep. but obviously you know when you're winning and everything's rolling you know you can't you don't really pay too much mind to that right. you're, a beast, man. yeah I mean I mean, look where he's at now. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's got a passport now, isn't it? He? He's got a Euro, yeah, European so passport. Lucky, yeah, yeah yep. doing his thing. He actually played for the coach that I, uh, he the one that kind of, you know, put it in my ear that it was okay to go to that Slovakian team because that coach was coached him there. Oh, right. So, yeah, yeah. How do you think you guys were able to, I guess, successfully, you know, achieve what you achieved given, you know, all the, you know, the egos, the the talent and, and everything. What do you think was, I guess, your formula for success that season? I think we all brought something different to the table. The team needed all of us in different ways, you know? So we didn't step on each other's toes. We didn't care who scored. I think our biggest thing, we wanted to break the other team more than we wanted to win the game individually. Right. You know? So we all had that. We all had the common goal of, A, we want to decimate this team that's a that's across from us and we want to win we want to win everything i didn't know what a clean sweep was obviously yeah but i wanted to win every single game and everybody wanted to win every single game it didn't matter who scored even if chuck or anybody on our team wouldn't have got mvp we wouldn't have cared because we did a clean sweep yeah we blew teams out and that was our biggest thing we wanted to show our dominance Mm. no matter what in practice in games in preseason games, anything like that, we wanted to be up by 20 points as soon as the team walks into the arena. Yeah, which that's you were. What we always said. <laughs> yeah, that's what, we, that's what we always said. And yeah. I think that was the biggest thing. It wasn't, oh, he's getting this many shots. He's getting this many shots. He scored this. He's holding the ball. He's dribbling. It was never that. It was, all right, he scored. Good bucket. He got a stop. Good D. It was just always that. Yeah. There was times where we didn't even have to talk to each other, but we were just always on the same page. Yeah. We never changed our game plan for anybody. For mm. anybody. So that was I think our common goal, we just wanted to win. It sounds cliche, but that's honestly all it was. Yeah, to no. That makes a lot of sense to be fair. Like Yeah. Um you guys are definitely fun to watch, man. So pushing on to the next season, um, which mm-hmm. was your you know, your MVP season. Your first right. MVP season. Um, right. In terms of you know going into that season and you know coming off the back of the the sweep, um, do you feel like your mentality was any different going into the new season? Or mine's personally, or us as a team? Both. We'll start with yours. I think my biggest thing. I had a chip on my shoulder, right? Yeah. My biggest thing was I didn't want that season to feel like a fluke. Or personally, I got lucky. I got put into the right situation, right team, which I did. But I also wanted to feel as if, okay, I can play. Yeah. Like, I can play basketball. So that chip on my shoulder kind of, I kind of had that the entire season where I just was strictly focused on showing people that I can play, you know? And mm-hmm. that that went out the window fast because that's a terrible way to think. That's a terrible way to approach a you know, a season, especially with the with the team that we had, we had the entire team back besides Drake. Yeah, we had Joe Chapman. Joe Chapman came, so it was basically it wasn't the same exact team, but it was as far as mentality, everybody's been there before. You mm. know, so signing that, I just wanted to come back to prove myself that it wasn't a fluke. It was just the that mentality of me trying to prove myself to that I can play or everybody around was unhealthy. You know, it was unhealthy for me personally and it wouldn't have been good for our team. So after the first week, you know, it kind of went out the window that I can't think like that. Yeah. As a team, we wanted to clean sweep. 
that was that was it. That was our that was our goal. Yeah, that was our goal. So that was our mentality for sure. Did you feel so? Did you feel pressure then as a team then to, you know, to clean sweep again, or was it just think, essentially no? I think it was fifty fifty. I think we 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 all be lying if we didn't feel any type of pressure to, you know, to clean sweep again because we didn't change anything. You know, yeah, we didn't change anything. But one thing that we felt we did, I don't think we we realized was teams were recruiting, the teams were building to stop us. Mm. So that's something that we didn't recognize until the middle of the season where every we had a target on our back. You know, we had a target on our back because we clean sweep. Nobody cleaned sweep besides the Eagles, you know, yeah. prior to that. So everybody wanted to beat us no matter what. So that's it. We didn't realize. We knew we had a target, but we didn't know how big that bulls out was until the middle of the season, you know? Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, so the so, next season, um, you end up winning another MVP. Um, the first season, I did not expect that at, at all. Yeah. At all. At all. I forgot who I who I thought was gonna win that year. I'm trying to think who was who was there that year. Drew. Drew Sullivan. Drew Sullivan. Oh yeah. Drew. I thought Drew was winning that for sure. That was like, it. He was at the Lions. Even, yeah, I didn't even think I was even in the running for that in my second year at all. So it was a shock to me. Yeah. Huge shock to me. He yeah. led the league in scoring, twenty-one points a game, seven assists. Yeah. My third, that was my third year. Second year, my stats weren't really popping. You know, it wasn't like, oh yeah, he got it. Yeah, like kind of average in a way, you know. Mm. But my third season is when I led the league in scoring and assists. But I didn't think I was winning it that year. I thought Taylor King should have won it that year too. Yeah, yeah, yeah Taylor so, was good, man. Good player. People forget Taylor King went to Duke out of high school. Yeah, yeah. He committed to UCLA when we were in the seventh grade. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. And he was that he was that tall when we were in middle school. Yeah. He was a beast. He was a beast. Yeah. He, and he can shoot it, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I thought he, I thought he, I thought he was going to win it because they won the league, you know. Mm. So. So obviously, you know, a lot of people, you know, when they when they see you play. um I definitely have you down as more of a like you know a pass first point guard like a traditional yeah. traditional point guard. But then to you know go yeah. and you know lead the league in scoring that year. Um, do you feel like mm-hmm. do you feel like you had more responsibility on the scoring end, um, or do you feel like it it was just something that was always in you that you just kind of had to show the world that you know hey I get buckets. <laughs> but I was I've been a scorer my entire career i've been a, a scorer my entire career but i didn't have to do that when i first came to newcastle yeah because it was guys that just took was just a bucket mm-hmm. still is a bucket yeah scott got buckets you know so like i really didn't have to do anything but give him the ball <laughs> basically so yeah from first second year that's kind of what i was labeled as as a pass first not knowing that i scored my entire life yeah so it was easy so i just took they, everybody expected a pass. Everybody expected when I drive, it's going to be a dish or a kick out. So now it's like, oh, well, this is open. I'm going to take it, you know? Yeah. So it was it was easier to transition of scoring. I just took whatever whatever they gave me. If they gave me the pass, it's going to be a pass. If they gave me the shot or a layup, it's going to be that. It wasn't a, you know, a conscious decision of, all right, I'm about to go out here and score. Yeah. That at all, you know? It was games where I needed to, where Fab told me, like, hey, you need to shoot this many shots and you need to score this amount of points if we have a chance. Yeah. And that's when, it's certain games, it's certain games. If we, if me and you like sat down and broke down the film or anything, I'd tell you how it's different that I started this game versus how I started against like Leeds or something. You know? Yeah. It was totally different. It's a totally different mindset of, so like against the Londons, against the Leicesters, against Worcester, which was, they were really good. Chester, which had firepower. It was like, in Bristol, it was like, okay, we need you to have a start off super aggressive, you know, against Zaire, against Neil, you know, and players like that. You have to start aggressive. Yeah, you have to play defense. You mm. know? So it was, it was more, it was more of that my third year than any year before. Yeah, where I had to be aggressive. Yeah. Mm. So at the end of the season, um, you end up departing the BBL. Uh, what mm. ended up being, you know, a temporary departure. Um, <laughs> Not even a full year. 
So yeah, you end up signing in in uh, Slovakia, um, and as you mentioned, you know you you know that was assisted by uh, yeah. by Andre Andre Jones. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what made you make the move, and were you was it a situation where you were actively looking to leave Newcastle? Or? I think probably about February, March. I kind of figured that I wasn't coming back because right. we've done we've done everything personally mm. and. You know, as a collective, it wasn't any more. I felt it wasn't any more room. What else mentally? What can get me motivated to play? Yeah. You know, same team, same philosophy, same system. They're gonna guard me the same. They're gonna do this, and it was it would. And I got mentally, it was because I felt myself constantly feeling like I had to prove this, prove this, prove this, and it was draining. It drained me, and I felt that I needed a fresh start. Yeah. You know, because I didn't want to get too comfortable. Because right. that's when injuries happen. That's when you, you know, you start to decline. And I wasn't ready for a decline yet. And I felt like I had more that I wanted to experience. So I wanted to go to Europe, and then it ended up being Slovakia. Yeah. Right. And then how would you compare? You know, the the standard in Slovakia to um, the BBL. Oh, it was. I mean, you see Europe games mm-hmm. and how it's systematic and. The point guard walks the ball up, he sets everybody up to run the offense, then he goes sit in the corner. <laughs> it's like, I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to do it because we were good. You know, we won the cup, we made it to the final and stuff like that. Like, we were really good. And yeah. it's like, okay, well, I'm going to take, like, this is what you wanted. Because I wanted to feel as if I was starting all over. I didn't want to come in here like, okay, you won this trophy, you did this individually. I didn't want that. I just wanted to be just you know I started from the beginning of my career but I didn't want it to be that dramatic <laughs> yeah no that just, makes sense I just sat in the corner and he said you you get an open shot you gotta make it yeah so no create basically no create You, he said it but it wasn't convincing to me that he wanted me to do that you know? yeah so it was tough coming from Newcastle to that because I had to completely switch my mentality, right? And that was the, that was my hardest adjustment. But I still did all right. I still did well. You know, it wasn't like I couldn't handle it or I couldn't, you know, compete or anything like that. It wasn't that at all. It was just a different mentality that I had to switch, right? You know, so yeah, practices, the two a days, and the track, and the lifting, and just like, geez, just intense. It was always intense. Practice was intense. Yeah, it was totally different than England. You know, that's why when I came back, my body is totally my body is totally different than before I left. You know, right? Is that so? Do you feel like you were in you know a lot better shape out there and like when oh, you're for sure, for sure, mm. for sure? Do you think the BBL could benefit from that sort of regime? Or it depends on what players it is. If you take like the players that's been that, that we've been in a league for that many years and stuff like that, mm. then I don't think we we accept it because we know that you don't have to absolutely do that to win. Yeah, you know, like us running on a track, us lifting lifting two times a day and practicing two times a day. That I don't think that was the hundred percent recipe for success. You know, like yeah. you need it. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we we need to be in shape. You need to be in shape. You need to lift. You need all the injury prevention stuff. But to that that extreme that we did, I don't think that we need it. <laughs> yeah, no. But some form of it. So I think I think the BBL should, you know, some form of it. Mm. Of course, this is good for us. Yeah, because I, I I've always thought you know that sort of you know regime where you know where you're the two a days the intense lifting all that stuff i think it's mm-hmm. it's a lot suited for you know young players particularly yes. you know those yeah. 18 19 20 21 year olds going in playing in the bbl the only thing is is like if you look at a lot of rosters you know the majority of the players playing on the teams are you know 25 26 and upwards so like you said you know i think some players some teams it might suit other teams you know like Traditionally, you know, Newcastle traditionally does have like an older roster. You know, there's always, you know, there's the the Eddies and like the young players on the team. But yeah. you know, yeah. let's keep it a buck. Like most of the teams are, the team is usually, you know, twenty seven, twenty eight yep. upwards. So, yep, for sure, you know what I mean. Um, That's tough, though. It's tough. It's tough because 
you know, you want young players and stuff like that, but then as if you want to be super successful or anything like that, you want players that's already experienced. Yeah. You know? So, like, it's kind of a, you know, it's catch, catch 22 that mm. you can't have both. You can't have best of both. Yeah. You get a 21, 22 year old that's like super mature or anything, but he's missing just that experience. Yeah. So, I think that's kind of was was our recipe. Seeing all like the the young players who you know have been on the I guess the end of the bench at the Eagles and stuff, it does pose like you know a common question around you know British basketball. I don't know if you like you're aware, but like there is this big topic about you know young giving young players an opportunity, and I think you're right. I think if they're ready to play, then. Do you know what I mean? They should be given the opportunity, but the chances are right. they might have the skill set, but maybe they don't have the maturity or they don't have... The, something's missing. Do you know what I'm saying? And Yeah, So, but why is it just for basketball? You know? They don't say that for... Some, and I, I'll just ask, why, why do you think that's just for basketball? You know, they don't say that in soccer or they don't say that in a workforce of, all right, well, we need to give our young, these young kids a chance to run our business. Yeah. You know, like I don't, I don't get why basketball. Do you know what? I'll try and keep my answer. I've got, I've. This is a topic I love talking about, but I don't want to, yeah. you know, spend ages. I think the thing with, if you want to compare football and basketball, firstly, with the infrastructure in football, you know, kids are signed from when they're like eight years old. So if you're getting elite coaching by the time you're in football, if you're not getting elite coaching by the time you're 12 years old, you, chances are you're not going to make it in this country or you won't play it at the highest level. Right. Whereas with basketball, you know, you rarely find a kid, you, you'll find a lot of kids who play basketball, you know, they start at like 11, 12, if they're lucky. Like I only started playing when I was 13. You know, there's a lot of kids mm-hmm. who start playing when they're older. And if you're, say if you're a big man, you know, you know there's more room for you to sort of start later. But when you're a guard, exactly. you have to start younger. You know, you have to start when you're eight, nine, ten. I think. Yep. So I think for us to get to a point where we're producing young players who can play in the BBL, we have to get to a point where they're getting elite coaching at a younger age, and that's to the point where, like, we're t- talking beyond. You know, just doing the fundamentals, the dribbling, shooting, all that stuff. Like, that should be taught, you know, when you're eight, nine years old. When you hit, like, 13, 14, that's when you should be start to, you know, work on, you know, the the intangible part of basketball, you know, the IQ, the decision-making and all that stuff. Because I think a lot of the time, you know, you get a lot of the, you know, the best kids who are 18, 19, skill-wise, they're good enough to play in the BBL and, and maybe right. even start, but they don't have the IQ, the, you know, the the other stuff, you know, the maturity, the mental capacity to be able to deal with being a professional basketball player right. at that age. And I think that's what the that's the biggest thing I think that holds a lot of players back from getting these opportunities when they're young. And I think it kind of coincides with, you know, the fact that a lot of players end up going to America or going to other countries, you know, when they hit right. 19, because, right. you know, like you said, when you get to college, you can kind of be 18, 19 and not be a finished product, especially if you're a guard. You know, you can develop, you can develop your body, you can develop your understanding of the game in a college system. Whereas at 18, 19, chances are you're being pushed into a into the business of basketball where it's about results. You know what I mean? Where you have to perform night in, night out. It's um, tough for the coaches, man. It's tough for coaches because, you know, they get that pressure. They yeah. Get the pressure of, all right, well, these kids need to play. Yeah, and they get the pressure from everybody, from people around, people, you know, that's in charge and stuff like that. But yeah, you want to win at the end of the day. Yeah, you want to win, you know. But I I hundred percent agree with what you said, though. Yeah, and like you got to get that. I think the next step, I think, for if we want to, you know, get our young players playing, is we got to do a better job of preparing them, developing them to play. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Right. Whereby you know when it gets to the end to the to the pros like in the BBL like now it's not a question of oh, do I have to jeopardise winning to let young players play and all that shit it just becomes a case of right, right I've got this kid who's 18 you know he's good enough to play go on you, you're playing you're playing in the BBL now you know and they're ready mm-hmm. but um, but yeah um, like I said man I could talk about that for hours man but we'll yeah, not yeah, I know I just want to understand like I'm just I have no opinion or anything. I just want to know yeah. what you think as far as like you growing up as, you know, in England and stuff like yeah, how yeah. do you how do you, you know how do you feel about it? But yeah. I just want to talk about that right now. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, so you end up, you know, coming back to Newcastle. Um, yeah. What brought you back? I think I miss just the, like I had a good team with Sawaki and I had a good, we had good chemistry, but just the togetherness just wasn't there because we had, we had a few Serbians that all knew each other and mm. we had a lot of Slovakian players that all knew each other and they all played against, against each other before and I was the only American. Yeah. I was the only American there. So you, that's, that's tough because it's like, I can't talk to you about everyday life because hey, you, we don't speak the same language so my lingo is a little different than yours and basically what you know about America or what you know about Americans is what you see on Instagram or TV or YouTube and stuff. Mm. Like I, we can talk about that, but it's not as a conversation, you know? So yeah, that yeah. was kind of tough for me. And the coaching style was kind of different as well, mm. you know? And I didn't feel like – I felt like I was on the leash. You know, I right. felt like I was on the leash. And I just wanted to feel a part of it, you know? It's a guy – what's that guy? Rob Marsden yeah. from uh, Sheffield. Yeah, when yeah. I first came back, he was like, you know, you're back, right? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> He's like, you know, you want to just be a, you know, the big fish in a small pond, in a way. It, it was funny that he's, you know, he kind of said it, but then I took a, you know, I thought about it, like, well, maybe, maybe he's right, because I miss, I just miss, I missed it, in a way. Yeah. I just missed it, and it was something, because after games, you know, after games, we sign kids' autographs, we, you know, we talk to people and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So lucky, it was like, all right, shake hands and go home. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was just, it was just different. And, and then with the year that they had, I felt as if that I kind of wanted to help. I felt like I wanted to help in a way. They had a really good team, man. They had a really good team that year. And I was going to have Jason and Nimley and, you know, and those guys. But I just felt I want to come back. Yeah. I just needed to come back. Yeah, no, that... Phase, in a way. That that Geordie hospitality is just different, you know. You don't you don't get it's that different. anywhere else. <laughs> it's different. It's different. It's yeah. different, you know. But it's you know, I mean sometimes you go around with it as well. So Yeah. So yeah, I wanna to touch on, you know, this season, you know, we spoke about the yeah. BBL trophy. Quite an injury plague season for you lot. You know, finishing at the break seven and six. How do you feel the league would have panned out and you know, the league and the players would have panned out? It's so tough. It was so tough because we hit an injury, like that injury point early, you know? Mm. Usually you hit that injury point about February, you know, February, March, where it's like, you know, being a baller, those are the dog months. Yeah. All the holidays are past. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the weather is different. And, you know, Newcastle is dark and rainy 85% of the day. So mm. that that already plays a part of it. Then we got injuries, injuries that, and then with Rodney, Rodney, the passport situation with Rodney, nobody expected that to last as long as it did. Yeah. And that kind of messed things up. And then we had John and we had to release him, which, you know, we don't ever do. We mm. don't ever release play, you know, release players or anything like that. So it was kind of, you know, kind of up and down. And Ian coming in was unexpected for him and for us as well because this team was recruited for Fab's system. Right. And of course Fab Fab got his you know, his gig in Toronto, you know, which I kinda knew it was coming it was in the works for when I was in Slovakia. Right. You know, that we talked about it and stuff like that, but it was like we came to it like, okay, well you coming back, you know, let's let's do it. And that's what it was again until, you know, I got the call and he said, Well I'm thinking about doing them. Are you crazy if you don't? Yeah. Like, why, why would you? You know, you can always come back here. Yeah. 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 So, it was, it just caught everybody off guard. And we, I think the trophy final would have gave us momentum mm. in a way, mentally. Not saying that we were going to go in and win the league or anything like that. We already had a piece of silverware. Yeah. Already. yeah. So, that, that monkey on our back is, is off. So mm. we could just play. We already got one, one up more than everybody said, Worcester. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, okay, well, we good. We got one. That's more than what we had last year. Yeah. So I think that would have gave us some type of momentum, you know? In yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. In terms of, like, you know, life after, you know, like we said, the Fab's departure to Toronto, do you feel like there's been, like, a cultural change, you know, with um, Ian taking the lead at, 
as head coach? Only thing that's different is the uh, coaching styles. That's it. Yeah. Like it's not in. I mean, you know, in's been there as long as I've been there. Yeah. So he understands the culture. He understands the the league. He understands what Paul and Sam what we want as far as the community you know, on the court. So it wasn't a huge thing versus somebody that comes in and knows nothing. That'd be a bigger culture shock than you know in. Which is it's, it's different with him because he that's his first pro gig. Yeah, yeah. Some shoes to fill. Like no matter who came in there, it was going to be tough. Yeah. In a way, so I don't think it was that big. It was it was a learning it was a learning curve for everybody in the whole entire organization. And I'm glad he got the got the chance. If I'm being 100 percent honest, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah. So me, D, and Drew kind of you know we had a talk with Paul. He said, and we all told him that I think that's the best decision. Um, yeah. We're comfortable with it, and if we're comfortable with it, we can get other people because they don't know any different. The new guys that were coming in, they don't know any different. Yeah, you no, know, it's they true. Just to a new coach, regardless. So mm. we we were forward for sure. We were forward for sure. Mm, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Um, in terms of like you know the future, um, are you resigning at Newcastle? Or, like, what's on the horizon? I don't. We don't even know what the BBL is going to be as far as if they're going to come back, if they're going to have the finances to run the league, what teams are going to be, you know, is going to be able. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. At the end of the day, I have to think about what's going to be best for these next few years, however long I want to play, what's going to be best for me, you know? Yeah. If I come back to a league that potentially that can't, survive after a month then basically I kind of you know I wasted kind of a month of the season like so it's a lot of it's a lot of things that that's up in the air that I just I just don't know right I'm just not sure you know that's fair I tell you if I don't sign a new castle I'm not signing any team to leave hey I like that that loyalty I can't I can't I can't I just can't you know even if even if Leicester offered you the bag For your own I safety, never, man. I couldn't do it, man. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I don't care. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I don't know. I don't know what the BBL is going to be. How it's going to be, you know. Mm. No matter what, I wish the best for it because there's so much potential there, man. Yeah. No, so undoubtedly, man. Potential. I don't know. I'm not saying no. But I'm not saying yes. So, I'll give you the political answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, finally, um, post-playing plans. Um, when you do, you know, decide to hang them up, um, what do you see yourself doing, or do you see yourself going in, staying within basketball? Or? I think, you know, the easiest thing for me to do is coach, coach mm. basketball, coach college, because I'm gonna have, you know, a lot of opportunities as far as my the connections that I got, as far as the schools that I went to. Yeah. Because all the assistant coaches are different places, you know, but. One thing that, like, I want to do coaching because that's going to bring the fire down. Because I'm going to still want to play. Like, we're going to still want to play no matter if we 50, 60, don't matter. We're still going to want to play basketball as part of us. But as far as the competing thing, if I go into coaching, it brings that desire, that fire kind of down, which make it easier for me to transition to something else. Like, yeah. I want, to, I want to work I want to work in the Nike Corporation, man. Yeah. That's like a dream job of mine. Yeah. 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 yeah loops and stuff I gotta go through but if I if I if I focus strictly on that I'm pretty sure I can do it you know I want a corner office with a nice view you know yeah hey <laughs> Nike great employee discount as well I got you great employee discount I, I used to work yes. there I worked in the store in Newcastle when I was there my really? last year yeah, yeah which one the Royal Keys one? Royal Keys yeah yeah, yeah they closed yeah. down now man yeah closed down closed down cause I started going to the one in Durham yeah I like that one a lot 
Yeah. yeah I want to. I want to work in one in Portland, in Oregon. I want to work at the corporation, man. I want to work on a campus. Yeah, yeah. They go. Because I worked at Foot Locker. I worked at House of Hoops before. Yeah. I'm not a big seller, man. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, they got. They got the they got the court in the um, Oregon office, didn't they? They got the yes, man. the gym, as you look. They got the they got the employee store there too. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. sick. It's a dream job, but yeah, sure. But yeah, man, um, I appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Anytime, anytime. If you want to talk about any type of topics with other people, I'm down. Yeah, no. Defo man. No, Defo man. I got some stuff, you know, coming up um for next season, but obviously after this lockdown, um, you know, that will get put into motion and obviously depending on where yeah. you are next season we'll see in it. But um but yeah man. I like what you're doing though. I like this. I like uh, this. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate yeah, it, man. I like this, man, for sure. It can take off for sure. Yeah, man. I hope so, man. I hope you know, at yeah. the end of the day, you know, I'm trying to give a platform for, you know, basketball players to just, you know, yeah. Tell their story and stuff. That's what's kind of missing, you know, because they, you know, we kind of in this bubble of just basketball players. People really don't hear us talk. Yeah. This is in an interview, Mm. you know, and we're just strictly talking about a game. (laughs) Not about, you know, like other stuff, like other type of. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, man. Appreciate it, man. Um, No doubt.